Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. From API, this is Energy Tomorrow Radio, your source for information and conversation about the most important energy issues of the day. I'm your host, John Bisney. With me today is John Felmy, the chief economist at API. John, welcome. Clearly, the biggest issue on consumers' minds right now, it seems to me, uh, still is gasoline prices. Let's talk a little bit, I think, review some of the forces that all came together this spring and now into the summer to give us these high prices. What we saw this year was an increase in cost of producing gasoline and a tight market for gasoline. First, the cost of crude oil increased fairly significantly, and then we saw continued demand growth by consumers. When you married that with a refinery system that has challenged to meet this growing demand, uh, you saw prices go up. Okay, I want to come back to the refinery situation in just a second, but what about demand? Does that sort of surprise you that uh, even with higher prices, that demand has continued to, to hit record levels, really? What we've seen is it's very difficult for consumers to change their driving patterns. They can't easily switch their cars. They can't change their commuting patterns and so on. And so we saw demand growth continue in the earlier part of the year at a fairly robust late. Now, late recently, we have seen demand slacken off. And in fact, our data indicated the demand declined last month. That's probably just around the edges now of where we hit what's called demand destruction. We won't get into that today, but that's, I guess, where prices get to the point that people do start changing their everyday habits. So far, what we've seen is changes only at the margin. In other words, driving perhaps a smaller car or taking fewer trips. Uh, in order for demand to change significantly, you have to make big changes, such as a new vehicle and so on, or new driving patterns or things like that, and that's very difficult for consumers. All right. Now, the other element of this, the other factor is supply. And clearly, there have been issues this spring and into the summer with refinery outages. Talk about that and what impact that's had. What we've seen is this year is a lot of planned and unplanned outages. But even so, the refinery system produced record amounts of gasoline. It just wasn't enough to keep up with the demand growth. John, when you say planned refinery outages, that's something that happens seasonally, and, and the industry uh, knows that. Yes, the industry goes through two periods of the year in which they plan to take a refinery down or at least partly shut down. It's required maintenance or it upgrades to be able to meet new environmental requirements and also to get ready to make sure the facilities are in good shape, as I understand it, for the expected increased demand over the summer. Yes, you have to convert the refinery from optimizing on one type of fuel versus another. So, for example, in the earlier in a part of the year, you start to switch from producing primarily heating fuels to moving to producing more gasoline, and that requires a certain amount of maintenance. But I think it is true that uh, part of these unplanned outages have taken a little bit of a toll. We should be honest about that. There's no question that the unplanned outages have caused lower amounts of production than otherwise would have happened. But even so, the refineries that were operating produced record amounts. 
One other factor in supply, though, is that we had lower imports. And so it appears that there were some refinery problems in Europe that affected supply there, too. Right, because normally uh, we can make up for any refinery shortages with imported gasoline. I don't think a lot of people know that. It's not just crude oil we bring into this country, but uh, gasoline that's ready to, to be finished, as we say. We import about 12% of our gasoline to meet our consumer demand in the country. So looking at the broad picture now, um, a lot of forces came together this spring. Looking to next year, the year beyond, I know we can't fully forecast these things, but is that still going to be the equation, uh, relying largely on imports to make up demand? Well, fortunate what we've seen, that even though imports were down earlier in the year because of problems and a, and a dock strike in Europe, we've seen a surge in imports recently, so that now they're running in excess of a million barrels a day, and that will clearly be helpful for supply. Okay. Now, what about expanding refinery capacity? I think a lot of people would say, well, gosh, the answer here is simply you guys need to either build more refineries or somehow expand your capacity so you're not worried so much about outages and relying on imports. Well, there's no question we'd like to see expanded refinery capacity. And in fact, the industry has expanded the existing refineries, the equivalent of a new refinery every year for the last 10 years. And the publicly announced plans are that that will continue for the next five years. But it's very difficult to expand a refinery. Most folks want to get rid of you instead of allowing you to be able to expand your existing refinery. Okay, so we've talked about what the industry can do and is doing to address high prices. Uh, there's that other perspective. What's going on on Capitol Hill? How are the elected officials responding to their constituents? So from the congressional perspective, is there really anything that lawmakers can do uh, to immediately impact prices? Lawmakers only have a limited flexibility to be able to try to quickly affect prices because supply takes a long time to be able to change. But that's no excuse not to start now. To improve the situation, we need to expand supply, reduce demand, and improve the infrastructure. Unfortunately, right now, the current policies that are in the Congress appear to be going in the opposite direction of those things. Well, right now, for example, I know there's a lot of interest on Capitol Hill, uh, again, to address immediate prices uh, with this uh, so-called anti-price gouging legislation that is under consideration. What, what's that all about? Well, this price gouging legislation is very, very dangerous. It's so vaguely written and with its criminal penalties and jail fines could actually be worse than the price controls of the 1970s. And we learned from the 70s that when you try to control prices, you can induce shortages and gas lines. And so we would hope that Congress carefully looks at this legislation and realizes that what's going on right now is nothing more than markets at work. And, and you say that might happen simply because, to explain to people, because supply is not flowing where it should under market forces. It, it's it's uh, the price is being so controlled that supply is not being distributed the way they normally would be. Is that right? We learned from the experience in the 70s that when you put price controls, the market doesn't work, and so the government has to intervene. And the experience with government moving around gasoline was a complete disaster in the 70s, where a lot of areas had more gas than they needed, and more areas had less, and so you had long gas lines. Now, you know, there is a lot of suspicion out there, uh, driven by a lot of politicians, to be honest, about what really is going on in the industry. About 20 governors now saying there should be an investigation of gasoline prices. They've written to their state's attorney generals, to members of Congress, uh, saying the industry is, is purposely shutting down refineries, restricting supplies. Are those sort of charges justified? 
Those allegations have come around every time we've seen price increases. The industry has been investigated dozens of times and exonerated every single time. There's absolutely no evidence of anything going on other than market forces that yielded reduced supply, increased demand, and so prices went up. Unfortunately, these investigations are then called for, and then when they, they are actually uh, finished and the industry has been exonerated, people only remember the call for an investigation. They don't remember that the industry was exonerated, and so it's left with a black mark no matter what the results were. Now, John, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about the future, but I also recognize that uh, as API's chief economist, you can't predict prices. Maybe it's a good opportunity to tell people why that is. We're not trying to get around the issue, but there's some legal reasons. It's antitrust law. We cannot forecast prices because it would effectively potentially be signaling and that would violate antitrust laws. But if consumers want to understand what's happening going forward, they need to pay attention to a few things. First of all, what's the worldwide supply and demand for crude oil and what's happening with price there? Because that's very important to the cost. Also, what's happening with refinery operations? And finally, how is demand changing? It's going to be a, a combination of all those factors that influences the market for gasoline. And what's the, I mean, the biggest thing I suppose people could do if they want to have some clue is, as you say, look at crude prices. Those That closing price is published on the Internet and newspapers all over the country. Uh, they can keep an eye on worldwide events and do a little forecasting themselves to some extent, I guess. Well, they certainly can. What they can do is look in the paper and see what the price of crude oil is, divide that number uh, by 42 gallons in a barrel, and it tells you how much per gallon crude costs. Add on to that 46 cents for taxes, and you can see what the base cost of any petroleum product is before you've refined, marketed, transported, or delivered it. And so those are key factors that consumers can pay attention to. Yeah, that's a great point that I think is important to emphasize that tax element. Uh, I think I've seen figures, and you'll know these, that uh, this industry pays more to the, or the government earns more in taxes off this industry than our industries do, something like that? There's no question that the industry on average, it earns a little more than 9% of that dollar of gasoline, and taxes are more like 18%. So the government gets a bigger share than what the companies do. Now, a more general economic question for you quickly, which is the the, the producer price index really got took a hit, uh, you know, this last month because uh, of, of gasoline prices and energy prices in a whole. Uh, is that going to have much impact, do you think, on the economy, can we say? So far, it appears that increased energy prices has not had a big impact on the overall economy. It's clearly has probably slowed growth a little bit, increased costs somewhat, but we've had such a robust economy that it's been able to weather that storm. Now, going forward, we'll have to see whether or not those factors continue. John, real quickly, Congress is also considering some new taxes on the industry in order to fund incentives for alternative energy. Uh, what would the impact of that be? The taxes that Congress is imposing are potentially the wrong thing to do. We had experience with increased taxes back in the 80s when they levied a windfall profits tax that reduced production, increased imports, and put us on the slide uh, to increase dependency that we've been on ever since. Increasing alternatives is something that the industry supports, and in fact, we're already doing it. The oil industry is the largest investor in emerging energy of any group, whether it be government or universities or companies. So we're already investing in these areas. We think we're, we're being prudent in terms of what we invest, and we think that consumers will benefit more by doing it that way rather than some tax policy from government. And so it means you don't have to pit one form of energy against another. We can work on all these forms of energy because we're going to need them all. 
going forward, we're going to need a lot more energy to sustain population growth and economic growth. And so we're going to need all forms of energy. We're going to need energy efficiency improvements and conservation. And we're going to need consumers to wisely use energy. So we're going to need it all. My guest this week has been API Chief Economist John Felmy. John, thank you very much for your time. My pleasure. Thank you for joining us on Energy Tomorrow Radio, brought to you by the people of America's oil and natural gas industry. For more information about this podcast or to submit questions for future shows, visit energytomorrow.org. That's energytomorrow.org. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.